0: On today's episode of Conservative Roundup, I'm joined by Randy Hoback, the MP for Prince Albert. All right, everyone, welcome back to Conservative Roundup, Canada's podcast for conservative views and ethics. Today, I'm jo- proud to be joined by Randy Hoback, the MP for Prince Albert. Well, thank you so much for, for being here, Randy. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: Great, Adrian. Uh, thank you for doing this. Thanks for having me.
0: No, no problem. Well, why don't you start by telling us about yourself?
1: Well, I'm the member of Parliament of the Riding of Prince Albert in uh, north or central Saskatchewan. Uh, It's a riding that goes right from Shawbrook to Cairn River to Malfort, uh, mainly rural with the city of Prince Albert in the middle of it. Uh, I've been the member now going on 13 years and uh, love my job, and I represent some really good people here in in Saskatchewan.
0: Well, what kind of made you want to jump into politics?
1: You know, that's interesting. I, I never really jumped into politics. It wasn't something that I dreamt of doing at a young age. It's just kind of the way the stars aligned, and all of a sudden, here I am. Um, When I was in 2005, I was doing a lot of work with the West Canada Weak Growers on the trade file, and I was at WTO meetings in uh, Geneva. And while there, we were trying to keep our costs down, so I ended up sharing a room with the former MP from uh, Swift Current, David Anderson. And we became friends, and uh, when the Conservatives took power in 2006, uh, he asked if I'd come work with the parliamentary secretary the Minister of Agriculture and work on the Canadian Wheat Board and some other ag issues so my kids are gone my wife and I looked at it said let's try it Uh, so we went and I was actually a staffer on the hill and still farming back here in Saskatchewan at the time and it was one of the flights coming back into Ottawa that kind of led me down this path Uh, I ended up sitting on the plane next to Brian Fitzpatrick who was the member before me in this riding and brian talked the whole way brian is a talker he loved to talk and chat and visit and i really didn't know him that well and you know we get off the plane in in ottawa and we're kind of walking up the ramp and he he looks at me and says randy you should run you'd be a great mp and i said brian when you retire in seven years i'll think about it <laughs> not thinking that he was going to retire then and it wasn't uh much later and i got a phone call from doug finley's office uh, debbie jordan calls me and says um you know brian's not going to run again and he, he strongly suggests we talk to you about running so uh had to go back and sell, I think we sold something like 1,500 memberships to wow. win the nomination. And uh, haven't looked back since. So <laughs> it wasn't something that, you know, I grew up as a dream. It was something that just kind of fell into place. And uh, I've really enjoyed it. And uh, I'm lucky to have the job. I've
0: yeah, definitely. Kyra Biggs is an MP now for, I believe you said, 16 years. What's kinda of be like the, the best parts about, about the job?
1: You know what? It, everybody thinks it's Ottawa. And everybody thinks it's a it's house of commons. But you know, there's things in that that's really rewarding. But it's not. Mm. It's when you can take a senior who's sitting in your office crying because they didn't get their old age security and don't know how they're going to pay their heat. When you can help them uh, get a resolution to their problems. Or we had a scenario where we had some families that are adopting kids out of Haiti um, during the earthquake. If you remember the big earthquake, you would have been fairly young then, Adrian. Yeah. Where we helped them get through the uh, uh, all the red tape and the uh, rigmarole because of the earthquake to get their kids here safely to Canada. Uh, we've had situations where we've had teenagers uh, you know, caught abroad in a bad situation where we had to uh, get them, their parents fast visas to get them across. We had a family and, uh, who had a daughter on a student exchange into Brazil who came ill and mom and dad wanted to get down to be with their daughter in, in the hospital in Rio and uh, we managed to get a hold of the ambassador and, and get her a visa emergency quick and had them in, in Brazil in a matter of days instead of weeks. So mm. it's those little things that uh really make the job rewarding. And then there's issues like the Canadian Wheat Board. We want to see marketing freedom for farmers. Uh, a lot of trade issues that I really fight for. Uh when you can accomplish those it's like clicking a box saying I got that one done and got that one mm-hmm. done and and that's also very rewarding.
0: Definitely I was definitely it's because you have to you kinda have to shift between the constituents and and the party lots of the time and, and actually like really nail those those issues key I on me. Mean, and your writing right, specifically, I mean, what are some kind of some issues of your constituents at at the moment?
1: Well, you know, one thing we're, we're really concerned about here is rural crime. Uh, we've seen our crime rates go up since about 2009, 2010. Uh, we've seen addictions go up. We've seen gang issues go up. So people are looking for more solutions and better, uh, uh, whether it's criminal sentencing or care programs or uh, maybe a combination of a variety of things to actually deal with rural crime. I brought in a private member's bill to bring in a tax credit for people putting in security systems or gates or uh, things to secure their properties. I don't think it's going to pass. I think the Liberals they didn't even recognize it as a crime piece of legislation. And wow. NDP and Bloc have other priorities. But it was you know, one step in a number of steps that need to be taken to help Canadians secure their properties and deal with the issue of real crime. So that would probably be one of the issues. And then I live in an exporting province. You know, we grow and and build more than we could ever consume. So, making sure we have market access, making sure that we can get our products to market, whether it's by rail or truck, and making sure that we have fair market access uh, around the world is something that's a priority mine. Because any new market we get to brings in more wealth uh, to the people in Saskatchewan and makes the quality of life here better in the riding of Prince Albert.
0: Definitely, because I think a lot of going through code as well, a lot of Canadians they they felt so they felt so left behind by by Justin Trudeau and. And the rest of in his little uh, caucus, you know, it, it's so interesting because you have all these different, or you have a diverse group of, of riders. You have rural, you have urban, you have semi-urban, semi-rural, and and, it, and it's all these different issues that all these people come and look to. I mean, one person has a very different issue than another. I think <coughs> for one person as well out west is the carbon tax as well. I mean, how, how has that kind of affected your constituents so so far?
1: Well, I've never been a fan of the carbon tax, and I don't believe in a carbon tax. I don't think it's the type of tax that's actually going to help us meet our environmental objectives. Now, we've got a plan, and Mr. O'Toole proposed a plan in lieu of a provincial plan. So uh, his plan is basically he is putting a price on pollution, but instead of collecting it as a tax, he's depositing it into your savings account, and you can spend it on those things that will make your environmental footprint less. So uh, whether it's uh, putting better insulation in your house, buying a more fuel efficient car, uh, there's a variety of things you can look at to utilize those funds, but we're not shipping them to Ottawa. We're not taking them to Ottawa and then redistributing it to people in, in, in the cities or other areas that uh, don't have the same challenges we have in rural mm-hmm. Saskatchewan. So, um, you know, again, the premier may decide to do something different and that's great. Yeah, the courts have told him he has to do something. So it's not like we want to do this, he has mm-hmm. to do it. Um, so we'll see what he does, and he can choose what's the best plan for Saskatchewan, and I'll support him either way. But if he decides not to go that way, then there's an option that we propose that uh, would work and help us meet our objectives for net emissions for 2050. So you know, the environment, we have to take it serious. There's no question about that. Uh, we're seeing things are changing around the world. We're seeing the, the rumors and talks about a border adjustment tax on pollution. And the idea behind that is to make sure that the big polluters like India and China don't get a free ride. So if they're Mm -hmm. going to try to sell stuff into Canada or U.S. or other countries with this border adjustment tax, that would act as a levy against those goods to make sure that they recognize their field of pain of their pollution Mm -hmm. and put Canadian business on a level playing field with them. So um, so there's lots of things happening in the background on the environmental file, but Mm -hmm. uh, we'll see after the next election who gets elected and whether we have a progressive uh, government that's actually a conservative government that's actually going to take and deal with the environment in a reasonable fashion or we're going to keep reelecting some extremists and crazies and have to basically we'll get rid of all our jobs and solve the environment problem by making sure nobody has a job and mm-hmm. and that's not a fair option and that's not a reasonable option yet yeah, when you listen to these guys in the house that's the types of things they're proposing
0: definitely i mean yeah cause, i mean going through through COA now like we're going on to our, our second carbon tax the luxury tax so, i mean inflation's up to 3.4 percent i mean for plywood now it's like well, Four times, five times now. Oh, what the the price of what it used to be? It's what is it like? It used to be thirteen bucks. Now it's kind of going up to eighty dollars. I mean, like people. I mean, yeah. a lot of people. I mean, they were really expecting to get some stuff done somewhere summer: I mean, renovations, outdoor work, renovation. Well, key renovations on their house that they need, or new appliances, and they can't even go and spend that right because they. I mean, they they're too busy paying the the, the two carbon taxes. Plus the tax increase and now the luxury taxes as well, and, and it, it, it's so disappointing for a lot of Canadians because it's, in a way, it it well it disrupts their life, right? I mean, look at the the GTA for example. I mean, they they don't even know what the carbon tax is like yet because they aren't they aren't taking their kids anywhere. They aren't uh, they aren't going to ballet or dance or soccer practices because they well everything's closed and shut down right i mean like even even in the states I mean they i think there's the the transportation secretary wants to like tax every time you go on a highway i mean like that's i i see both sides to that probably I mean, but for the car tax specifically i mean it is absolutely ridiculous as well because i mean was it gas overnight is buck 33 here in ontario i'm from I'm from the gta and aaron's riding so it's a little different out here but i mean because i mean like in your riding as well as as well your other saskatchewan colleagues i mean people are going like two ways just one way to go like the pharmacist or the hospital or even the uh, or even the drugstore right
1: yeah that's exactly right we don't have a choice we have to drive we have to utilize our vehicles Uh, plus in the agriculture sector our tractors are big diesel engines they're not uh, you know an engine you can plug in for six hours and recharge and go we don't have those options or those alternatives in rural saskatchewan so we're forced in a scenario where we have to to drive where we need to go and we have to consume fossil fuels to do that mm-hmm. now as we see new technologies come into play and options make available canadians will adjust and farmers are very quick to adjust to new technologies but we haven't seen that and uh, uh, having said that now we're paying a tax that our american friends don't pay or our competitors are in other parts of the world don't pay and uh, we're paying for it, and we're paying for it coming this way, and we're paying for it leaving our place. So mm-hmm. it's really frustrating. So that's why we need a better plan, a plan that meets our environmental objectives, but isn't so punitive and hard on our economy, mm-hmm. and actually rewards people for good behavior instead of actually, you know, punishing them all the time. Mm-hmm. So you know that's why the 0 plan. I think it's really good, and it's it's a step forward. And uh, you know, while like I said, I'm not a fan of a carbon tax. I don't necessarily have a problem with with a a deposit being made into your account every time you purchase something that you can spend your way uh, instead of shipping it to Ottawa. So I think that's definitely a better alternative to deal with the issue. So So we'll see how it goes. But uh, like I said, the Premier has the final say on what happens here in Saskatchewan. Mm -hmm and uh,
0: we'll see what happens there. Yeah, we, 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 we did see it was taken up to, I think it was Manitoba, Saskatchewan, in Alberta, Ontario, and New Brunswick. It was all taken up to the, uh, the Supreme Court of Canada, but it was, it was overruled by the, by the justices, sadly. But, I mean, my, my next question for you is, I mean, what type of uh, conservative would you describe yourself as and, and why? Yeah, you
1: know, I don't fit a description, to be honest with you. I, I'm a physical conservative. And, you know, my importance is the economy and jobs and making sure we run a a prudent, efficient government and we provide the services that government are expected to provide in an efficient manner, um, you know, and good service, not just service. And there's a difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, In a lot of ways, I'm a social conservative. I have my Christian beliefs, and uh, that's my background in a lot of ways. Um, And in some ways, I'm a libertarian. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I like to see freedoms uh, where people can... Uh, be free to choose, and it's not necessarily the government's role to be involved in in uh, regulating that issue or that or another issue. So, like I said, I don't really fit into one camp. And if you look at the conservative tent, it's a tent that's big. It makes up a variety of different personalities and people, and that's what makes us a stronger party, mm-hmm. because we have varying opinions and varying ideas. And, you know, what's one thing I appreciate about Aaron O'Toole and the way he manages the MPs. You know, things of conscious. he lets us vote our conscious. where if you see the NDP or Liberals, if it doesn't fit their criteria or their interpretation, uh, basically from the highs up, up, you know, up top in the prime minister's office, they tell their minions, the MPs, how to vote. Well, Aaron doesn't do that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, that's a big difference in our party versus other parties. So, uh, you know, so it allows me to be who I am in a party that I think is is probably best situated to win the next federal election.
0: Definitely, I mean as well because we, we have seen you know, we, we have seen that with the NDP and the Bloc. I mean, with all these confidence votes, there's the Ghana committee, there's the finance committee, and uh, or, well, regarding the wheat charity, and the NDP just uplifted the uh, the the Liberals like, I mean, they've I mean they've yeah. done that like several times, I and mean, that's the the disappointing part because you have to have all three opposition parties on team as well. I mean, I, I mean like it's it's hard getting two, but I mean three though, right? Yeah. Well, the, and
1: then let's face it, the NDP. Uh, for the most part uh, couldn't go to an election so they basically uh, for their own self-interest you know, made sure that the we scandal went away because they didn't want to go to the polls the prime minister threatened an election around that issue if you remember back um, you know and even now it's a it's an NDP liberal coalition I really don't see the difference other than maybe the liberals are further left than the NDP on some things <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know the Liberal party has definitely, been taken over by environmental extremists. There's no question about that in my Mm -hmm. mind. Uh, When you look at the type of people that are in the party now versus the Paul Martin, Kretchen days where they were a physically responsible government and still proactive in other issues, Uh, this government is not physically responsible by any means. Uh, It has no intention of balancing any budgets. It doesn't care about its financial situation. As long as they've got room to borrow more money They're going to continue borrowing more money. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, Adrian, it's going to be you that has to pay that back and then some. And, you know, we're in a situation now coming out of COVID and our economy starting up where we're going to see inflation. In fact, we're starting Mm -hmm. to hear a lot of bang or buzz around inflation. And I remember the early 80s, what it was like when interest rates were 18 and 20%. I remember the first house I bought, I was so happy I got a, a house with an interest rate of 14%. Well, you know, compared to the two point two percent that they're offering now, that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. And those days are just around the corner if this government doesn't rein in its, in its spending and start to show some uh, maturity in how we spend taxpayers' money.
0: Definitely, as well. I mean, kind of when you go up to the hill, as well, kind of back to the environmentalists. I mean, do you kind of see them? They're out front, out front of the hill with their their plastic flags they're waving around. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. And you know what frustrates me is, is when you bring forward a plan that actually is there to help improve the environment, when you look at it and say, this is practical, this makes sense, and actually would produce results, they vote against it. Mm-hmm. And that's what blows me away. So who are you guys? What do you really want? And, uh, uh, you know, I, I just think they've taken the environment as an issue to get themselves into power, and they've scared people. And and uh, at the end of the day, I think when we look back on this liberal record, they would have done very little, if anything, for the environment, but they would have spent a lot of money that we can't tell you where it went. Mm-hmm. And they definitely took care of their friends, and they took care of their buddies, and that's kind of the classic liberal party. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think Canadians one day are going to realize that this was a very expensive government that we had the last six years, and uh, no more. We just can't afford a government like this anymore.
0: Yeah, I think that, like, a lot of Justin Shiro's passage, I mean, like, is unnecessary spending, blackface is ethics violations. I mean, like Canadians just seem to, to give him like a little halt pass with, with all of that as well. I mean, and now kind of going through codes, is what you're touching on is the, the government dependability. I mean, the the Trudeau Liberals, I mean, they've made people rely on the government so much throughout the the throughout the pandemic as well. I mean, now they they want to introduce a universal basic income for everyone. I mean, personally, I don't want to get paid to, to sit around and just watch TV all day while just taking a paycheck every once in a while. That's not right. You know, and people as well, I mean, they want to get back to work, right? Now, that's the Conservatives' is they want to get people back to work and and back to uh, hard-paying, nice-paying jobs.
1: Exactly, and and, you know, you heard today uh, uh, the Deputy Prime Minister, the Finance Minister is signing on to a a corporate, a global corporate tax. Mm -hmm. Just think about that for a second. So if we run a very efficient government, if we um, uh, create a very competitive platform for businesses to operate out of here in Canada, we can't lower taxes. They're mm-hmm. going to fix a corporate tax rate internationally, so it's going to be fixed in Belgium or in the U.S. or Beijing, probably Beijing, knowing these guys, where <laughs> we would not be able to take advantage of the competitiveness that we create by running an efficient, effective government. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's just crazy. This isn't something Canadians want to see, and they're mm-hmm. trying to hide it under uh, taxing the nets. You know, the the big uh, uh, internet companies. Well, no, it doesn't if you if you want to do that, then just apply to those big internet companies. Yeah. Uh, they're applying it to everything and anything um you know if you really want to deal with with uh, unfairness in uh, in the in the in the attraction of businesses, then let's talk to the u s about their states and municipal attraction that they spend thousands of dollars per job, giving away mm-hmm. facilities, land, whatever they need to do. To get a company to locate in their district, we don't do that to the same extent they do in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So don't deal with the tax system. That's not the way to do it. Deal with those subsidies and those unfair uh, items that they're throwing at businesses every day to try to locate them into areas where they don't belong. Definitely, yeah. Um, you know, I still, I still believe we run a good, honest government. We have a good, uh, you know, good rule of law, good patent protection, and we create a good competitive platform for them to operate on. They'll to Canada. They'll flood to Ontario. Mm-hmm. They'll flood to Saskatchewan. And uh, to give up that natural advantage of running a good government, uh, it just shows me that they're, again, sinking to the lowest common denominator and they're using rules um, instead of hard work to earn those businesses locating in their countries.
0: Definitely. As well, I mean, A lot of workers, I mean, they haven't even uh, been to work yet since the pandemic began. I mean, a lot of these people yeah. you see, like these uh, small businesses, for example, I mean, they've been so far left behind. I mean, they, they're they literally, literally every, like every, I don't know, give it a day or so in Toronto, more people are closing their businesses down because they can't afford to keep paying rent and then to keep paying their own, their own property taxes. Well, I mean, it's just unfair because now we have all the like these big box stores just raining in the money now it's funny how a barbecue is more essential than like a, I well, i guess a car seat for a for a newborn baby as well i mean that's the kind of the reality of canada now right i mean it, it, it's so disappointing because the states i mean they're just about back to normal i mean california is opening up uh, i believe this week or next early next week that's the most woken socialist state in america as well and well if you, look, the... if you
1: look at saskatchewan here providing we get the vaccines that the feds have promised us We'll be wide open july 11th mm-hmm. that means i'll be able to go to watch the rough riders you know in the end of july first part of august in a full stadium without a mask
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know that's because we've done a, a really good job in convincing people to be vaccinated and uh you know explaining the fears and concerns that people have and taking those fears and concerns away and canadians are ready to move forward but mm-hmm. we should have been having these vaccines in february in march not now and, you know, they come out and said, we're gonna have everybody vaccinated by September. Well, whoever said at the start, that was an acceptable timeframe. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna go into a third wave, look at the lockdowns and what that's done in Ontario. Look what's happening in Manitoba. That is because Trudeau didn't provide vaccines in a timely manner. And mm-hmm. that's because he was so busy doing business with China and trying to figure out how he can get a sweet deal of China on a vaccine that ignore the people that actually can create vaccines and uh, doing business with them. And mm-hmm. you know, instead of being the front of the line, we're at the back of the line and uh, uh, it's rather disappointing and who pays for it. Canadians pay for it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's pretty sad.
0: Definitely. I mean, kind of bring up China as well. I mean, like, like we've had absolutely no luck. I mean, there's no doubt the Trudeau Liberals just suck at at foreign affairs. I mean, I mean, we still. I mean, I haven't even heard anything about the the two Michaels yet. I mean, since their trials, I mean, everything's just been dead. I mean, there's the Uyghur genocide. Justin Trudeau doesn't seem to to want to show up and acknowledge that or any cabinet Trudeau minister, for example, the only one to actually show up just abstained on On the behalf of the government of Canada and well that right there is your answer on how Justin Trudeau tackles foreign affairs
1: that's right you know uh, the joke in the department hill is take his passport away so he can't do any more damage
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: understand he's heading off to the UK to the G7 here now and uh, you know I just cringe because I don't know <laughs> what he's going to say in a mic or what he's going to do while he's there and then how that's going to impact our markets, whether it's for ag products or manufacturing goods in the country that he'll offend, because he'll offend somebody while he's there, I'm sure of that.
0: I know, I mean, like, look at the, or uh, is it three years ago, they're calling him Little Potato to his face, and he's sitting there laughing at it. <laughs> I right, that's the stupidity yeah, of it, right?
1: You know, and I don't want to go to that level, but, you know, every world leader deserves respect, our premise mm-hmm. deserves respect, but you also got to maintain it and earn it. Um, you know I don't, back to Stephen harper he had a relationship of respect with china and we had a relationship where we were firm with them but fair they knew what the rules were they knew that there was no garbage there's no you know wishy-washiness in harper when he said Mm -hmm. something he meant it and we've seen our relationship actually improve and, and go forward uh under this guy you know it's just embarrassment they just play him over and over again and uh, you know, he's he's definitely not a queen or a king on a chessboard. He's a pawn and the Chinese mm-hmm. have been using him up and down the board as they see fit. So uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's rather embarrassing as a Canadian. And, you know, somebody who's who lives in a riding with egg products that need to go into China, we need to sell stuff to China, we always will. Mm-hmm. So whether it's beef or canola or wheat or, or products like that. You know, it, we have a history of doing business in China in a fair relative fashion. Mm-hmm. And still raising the issues like Uyghurs and human rights and and making steps forward to improve those in China, we have no mm-hmm. influence in China right now with this yeah. prime minister. And we can complain all we want about human rights abuse, but when you have no influence, that's uh, what you're doing is complaining. You actually can't have impact or results. And that was the difference between Harper when he said something. There was impact. There was results.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, you can see the difference now. And definitely the last two people I consider that actually have some influence on China would be Stephen Harper and former President Trump as well. I mean, those two people, I mean, they held China accountable, as you said, fair and, and equal. And I mean, and we're looking at it now. I mean, we've been taking so advantage. I mean, like, look at the, uh, the national security breach uh, just in, I believe it was February, March. They let two Chinese officials come to the highest uh, security level uh, lab in Canada and take virus samples back to China. And then come back and then we just learned uh, that, they, that they got fired
1: you know I, I don't know the details of everything around that but your spidey sense or your your sixth sense definitely goes off that there's something that stinks here mm-hmm. and uh, when we start hearing the leaked emails in the us and you know there's lots of people wondering the linkage between uh, these groups and what they're doing with china and and you know how that impacted covid or didn't impact covid we really don't know that's why we need the information mm-hmm. and that's all we're asking for is the information if the information is it's there and there's no linkage and Everything's above board, and these people are fired for just reasons, and uh, that's fine. I I can live Mm -hmm. with that. What Mm -hmm. I can't live with is not getting the information, uh, Mm -hmm. where people hide things and retract things, is what we're seeing right now. And, uh, you know, I think they're supposed to uh, table that information the committee's been asking for here today. So Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for Mr. Chung to come out and tell us uh, whether that information actually was real, or if it was just a bunch of blank papers again, Mm -hmm. or the other the little trick too is they you know you're looking for five pages to give you 10,000 pages to scram through to find the five pages so yeah um this government knows all the tricks and they've used
0: them all yeah i mean like look at the uh, the wheelchair i mean we expected more documents than all of them were just blacked out and pierre yeah. and he's just like he just handing them out like it's nothing i mean like they're like they're one dollar yeah. bills right i mean it, it's so it just bewilders me because all these all these canadians they just turned a blind eye to that like like it's absolutely nothing i mean as you said like information i mean that's a, a, a key thing is the opposition you have to hold the government to account whatever what part i mean you need that info for canadians as well because you know justin trudeau is not going to release it i mean we're still waiting on uh, information for covid hotels how effective and who why they were implemented
1: in fact, I think we've seen some information that has been leaked out saying they aren't effective, they aren't mm-hmm. good, uh, that they don't really meet any type of requirements for protecting Canadians from COVID coming into Canada. So, uh, you know, there comes a day when we're going to have to look at a scenario where we're reopening our borders, especially with the U.S. And when we ask the question, based, you know, based on health guidelines, what are the decision factors that you'll use to help open up the border? What's the matrix? Mm-hmm. And they won't, won't answer the question. Is that because they don't know well they've got all the smartest of the smartest at their fingertips to help them decide what that should look like so tell us what the matrix is tell them tell us how many vaccines have to be in place tell us the level of intensive care has to be available you know what are the things that we have to hit in order for that border to be opened up and tell us if it's vaccinated or not vaccinated you know it doesn't matter but tell people what you're doing so that they can plan accordingly and that's what i give the premier of saskatchewan credit for he laid out a plan right away as soon as the vaccination started on what it would take to reopen our province and uh it's been a very clear consistent plan and he's following it and he's always kept the criteria on there the, the caveat that you know if a third wave or a third variant or something strange came out of left field that we couldn't reopen that is a possibility but with what we know now and what we know from other countries like Israel and in the U.S., here is a reasonable path forward for the province of Saskatchewan to reopening. And we're excited about it. And uh, we're looking forward to those dates where we can have a barbecue and, and meet our friends and family and uh, and be who we normally are throughout the summer. So
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: you know, that's that's the frustration I have with this government, for sure.
0: I mean definitely cuz as you said July 11th would be the the reopening get for Saskatchewan. I mean, I mean I'd give anything just to have a Florida or a Texas of Canada right just about now. I think a lot of Canadians a lot of Canadians would I mean like it's so disappointing cuz you're having all these all these uh, US states with 30% vaccinated and we're we're still at like 70% with our first uh, first dose. And, that, and a lot of Canadians are so frustrated because I mean Toronto, for example, they've been the most locked down city in North America during COVID. I mean, a lot of people are just packing up and moving to Texas. I mean, a lot of like what is a million dollars by you in Toronto, like a little basement apartment. And then like in Texas, you get like a whole estate. I mean, that's a lot of where Canadians frustrations are at right now. I mean, the vaccines particularly, I mean, where we get, oh, we're just to have Justin Trudeau go on there. We're going to, oh, yeah, we're going to get seven million. And then we we fall like five million It was just short. I mean, I mean, that's where we're at with this government right now.
1: Yeah, and again, that's, you know, you got to lay that on the feet of, of the Prime Minister. It was to put together the, uh, the purchase plan for purchasing the vaccines, and they were asleep in the wheel again. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you notice, this government, they don't do anything until it's a, a crisis. They don't, they're never proactive on any file, never. Mm-hmm. It's always a crisis and reactive. And 9 out of 10 times, they've created the crisis themselves those engines previously done throughout the years mm-hmm. and so they fixed the problem they've created which has generated a crisis and you know that's not governing that's not leadership that's just reactionary all the time and uh you know if you did that in the business community it wouldn't last too long
0: mm-hmm. that's for sure definitely i mean so a lot of the one of the the two major sectors that have been so far left behind by the trudeau liberals is is the agriculture sector and the oil and gas sector as well i mean they, they've had no support from from the government's at all during covid i mean they're stuck on on sturbs trying to find find ways to pay it back i mean i mean i can't imagine being a gas and oil worker i mean even pre covid i mean they're getting laid off like 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 it's nothing i mean we saw keystone excel close now we're kind of heated up with line 5 we'll see how that turns out i mean like it, it's so far fetched with this government because i mean all they uh, well, they have to pretend to run around and, and try and care about oil and gas sectors. It, it's obvious they don't. I mean, you really look at the record and they don't care about the West at all. I mean, that's right. I mean they're just asking for the West to separate at this point, right? I mean, like, kind of like well, how is that, like, how do your constituents feel about, about that part?
1: Well, you know, they're frustrated and they're mad because it's bad policy that's doing this. It's bad decision-making in Ottawa that's doing it, and there's no reason for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to let Justin Trudeau split our country apart. I'm mm-hmm. not, and it's one person doing it. It's not uh, decisions being made by farmers out here, or oil and gas workers out here. It's the prime minister and his policies in this government that has created this scenario. Mm-hmm. Uh, look at, this, at the scene in 2015. There was barely a block party in Quebec anymore. The country was united. Um, you know, Basically, we're running on all eight cylinders. We're paying off our debt or our deficit, getting back to zero. We just come through a global recession and now it looks, you know, four years later, all of a sudden we have block as the third party in the house. Um, you've got separatism flaring up in Quebec, flaring in Western Canada. You've got people mad because they've lost their jobs for no reason at all. And what's even more frustrating is when you lay the evidence at their feet about how we're so much better in our oil and gas workings I and know. how we conduct our stuff, do business here canada compared to other parts of the world we should be exporting every drop of oil we produce just mm-hmm. to displace the dirty oil and the corrupt oil coming from countries that are on the market today
0: and mm-hmm.
1: uh, you know their whole idea is shut it down shut it down it's like i said before their idea of an environment plan is just put everybody out of work and then
0: yeah, there we go. We've I mean, another point as well. I mean, we're going into an election with, with three right wing parties as well. We've we've got the Conservative Party, the PPC, and then the Mavericks as well. I mean, that, and that's a huge factor for Canadians as well. Cause, I mean, throughout throughout COVID, I mean, we've seen all these new conservative parties. But, I mean, we have the New Blue Party, the Wildrose Independent Party. The I mean, the People's Party has gained support. I mean, the Maverick Party just popped up. I mean, and that's a huge game changer for federal elections, is right because That could be the balance between gaining a seat or losing a seat.
1: Yeah, and in the last election, the People's Party took couple ridings away from us in ontario for example that would have been conservative if that candidate wouldn't have been there you know mm-hmm. that's the danger of vote splitting we've seen that in the provincial election in alberta uh, what two elections ago when the ndp came into power when mm-hmm. you've got the uh, i think it was the wild rose party and the conservative party splitting the vote and the ndp coming up the middle and then four years of disaster in alberta with an ndp government so mm-hmm. you know that's always the threat uh, um you know i think most canadians now especially people in western canada realize that there's no benefit in putting a, a vote on a people party candidate or a, a maverick party candidate because all you're doing is voting for trudeau mm-hmm. and uh, they want him gone so the best way to get rid of trudeau is an Aaron Tool government mm-hmm. and, you know i'm encouraged we've seen some reasonably good numbers starting to happen in ontario uh, for Aaron otul mm-hmm. and uh, i'm excited to see that and what's really interesting is you know you get a new leader of conservative party Who hasn't been able to travel the country who hasn't been able to go out and talk to people shake their hands listen to their concerns face to face Mm -hmm. and he's holding his own he's doing very well actually considering that scenario he he never got on a honeymoon at all he basically because of COVID was was stuck in Ottawa and never allowed to leave so Mm -hmm. you know I'm looking forward to the summer having Aaron come out to Saskatchewan and people looking him in the eye and talking to him and and getting a sense of who this person is and really getting to know him because when they do, and they know him as well as I do, they're going to be excited because he's going to be a great prime minister. And I, I think he's got the skill sets to do it.
0: Definitely. You just need to get him
1: out there. And I, that's why I'm looking for. July 11th, masks off, things are mm-hmm. open. Uh, we'll have the barbecues here in Saskatchewan with Mr. O'Toole and and uh, hopefully in Alberta and maybe later on in Manitoba once they get their scenario under control. And I think Trudeau's scared of that, and I think that's Mm -hmm. why he's talking about an election in in July slash August slash September, because no prime minister in the past would ever think of holding an election starting in August because of harvest in the agriculture sectors, plus summer holidays. But this guy is so scared, that's the rumor going around Ottawa, is that he's Mm going to call an election in August. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the reality is, once people get to know Aaron O'Toole, uh, they'll
0: see why they want to get rid of Trudeau because the difference uh, I think as well. Another example would you about the reopening. I mean, that's the Canada that we know, right? Is with a fully open, massless Canada. I mean, that's the Canada that I that I grew up in. I mean, I've had 100%. to suffer through this as well. I mean I've I've been stuck online school for I don't know, since April now. I mean schools that I mean they're not going back. I mean Saskatchewan I, I'm I don't believe I I'm unaware of how schools are out there, but I mean a lot of a lot of people I mean they' like they're so they're so far left behind I mean coming back to the example I made was that was the vote split I mean a good example of that was uh, Harold Al, Albrecht in uh, Kitchener yes, Conestoga exactly. great MP mm-hmm. great
1: MP and what do we
0: get 200 short you tell me yeah yeah I mean I think there's Two hundred and sixty-three. I think I was looking at earlier this week, and I mean, I mean that essentially between five and ten ranks, I mean, a lot of definitely, as you said, though. I mean, the block of, I mean, they've gained support tremendously. I mean, I mean, like we're we're falling in second behind them as well. I think Montreal. I can see some ground getting gained, but not a lot. I mean, kind of going into this next election. I mean, what do you think? What do you think is so important that that we kind of lead into this next election with as a party? You
1: know what? Uh, I think that. The election will come back to jobs in the economy and who's got the best game plan post-COVID to make sure we're not so far in debt that uh, our kids never see the light of day mm-hmm. yet have a reasonable game plan so that uh, our businesses get restarted the markets reopens so that we're selling stuff around the, the globe again uh you know getting people back to work uh with fair taxation i think those are the things that people are going to be looking at uh and then i think we've we've learned some things during the COVID pandemic that we need to implement we need to have more uh, for example capacity in our hospitals because COVID is going to be with us now mm-hmm. uh, going forward and hopefully we will have booster shots or we'll have treatments for it but we're also going to have to consider the fact that we may uh, always have people coming in and out of hospitals mm. and uh, we have to make sure we have the capacity there. Now this is just Randy speaking. <laughs> You're going to see a, a complete uh, a platform in the appropriate time mm. and uh, you know what it'll be well thought thought of and, and talked about amongst Cox members and EDA members and mm-hmm. members of our party so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that and then comparing that to a bunch of nothing coming from the liberals
0: and the NDP because definitely uh,
1: they, they have nothing to offer and they've proven that this last two years
0: mm-hmm. all right so okay. kind of like my my next question for you is or my last question, sorry, is go, what do you think is the, should be the Conservatives Party message to the younger voters and the in, well, the younger appeal?
1: You know what? Get involved. That That's the message I have. Get involved. You do have a say, and uh, there's, you know, basically, like I said, they're spending a lot of money that you're going to have to pay back. Uh, I'll see how that money's being happening with it and whether it actually be spent in the first place mm-hmm. so I think that's the most important thing is don't shrug your shoulders and say I can't make a difference you can make a difference you can get involved in the local electoral district association you can help the MP door knock you can help them do events uh, get to know him or her uh, we're always looking for people especially people with some energy and the young people always bring energy to a campaign so
0: mm-hmm.
1: that would be my advice is get involved and then my second advice is get involved in some good charities. Be a good Mm -hmm. volunteer. Get involved in your community. You know, what made our community so strong in the past in rural Saskatchewan was that community activism, the Potluck Suppers, and that meant people were actually taking time out of their day to give back to their communities. And it's tougher now. Both parents are working. You know, it's a busy schedule. Everybody's going, you know, basically around the clock. But -hmm. when you can find a few hours a week to help out a group or, or an event, it's very rewarding. And uh, once you start doing it, it's almost addictive. It's like working out. You want to do more and more of it all the time. So,
0: yeah. um,
1: those would be the two things I would suggest.
0: For sure. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Randy. You're on here. It's a pleasure to have you. It'd be great to get, get you back on here again.
1: You betcha, Aiden. I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the reaching out on you and uh, wish you all the best for
0: sure. Thanks. That was Randy Hoback, the MP for Prince Albert. Make sure to to check out all our media pages and to tune in on the next episode of Conservative Roundup.